Wisdom is not found in the library, it's found in my life, right? Wisdom is applying God's truth to my everyday life. Remember, wisdom is living our lives in alignment with God's word, God's will, God's purposes, God's glory. Well, good morning. My name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here. Privileged to be able to preach today. And as Pastor Tim said, we have been in a series this summer, and it's called uh, Even Then, Worship in the Face of Struggle. And our rally cry together has been, say it with me, my God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship Him. And so over the last few weeks, we've been in the book of James, and we've looked at what it means to worship even in the face of trials. And last week, we looked at what it means to worship even in the face of prejudice. And now today, we're going to go into the book of James again. We're going to go to chapter 3, and we're going to see what it means to worship even in the face of earthly wisdom. So go ahead and go to James 3, 13 to 18 is where we're going to be. James 3, 13 to 18. If you're taking notes, here's the first point, number one. Live your worship out in meekness and with good conduct. Refuse to bend to earthly wisdom. Remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's the one writing the letter. He's a leader at the Jerusalem church. He's writing to believers that are scattered all about because of persecution. And the subject he's going to deal with now as he moves through this letter is two types of wisdom. One that's from God, one that's from Satan. One heavenly, one earthly. One that is true, one that is false. One that's pleasing to God, one that's not. One that is good for our lives and others. One that is destructive and damaging to us and our relationships. So here he goes. He opens in verse 13. And he asks this really important question. You see it there? Who is wise and understanding among you? It's like, who's wise and understanding among you? Now this really is a rhetorical question. He's not asking us to raise our hand, but to examine our life. And, and here's the thing. Let me ask you. Who's the wisest person you've ever met? Maybe get that picture of them there in your mind. Now, think to yourself this, what made you choose them? Why would you say that they're the wisest person that you've ever met? Because James here is going to tell us what to look for. All right, look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Here he goes. By his good conduct... Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Do me a favor. If you've got a Bible, uh, circle that word show, or maybe on, on the app on your phone, you can highlight it, show. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Look, show is a big deal for James. Show is a big deal. Back in chapter 2, he said, if you have faith, remember he says, show it by your works. Here he's in chapter 3, and he says, if you think you have wisdom, what? Show it. Show it by your works. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. He's like, show me your wisdom. Show it by your behavior. Show it by your conduct. Show it with your life. And so let me give you a little definition here for wisdom, a little simple one. It's this. Wisdom is applying God's truth to your everyday life. Wisdom is applying God's truth to your everyday life. Another way I've heard it said would be wisdom is the skill or the ability. It's the skill of living your life from God's point of view. 
right? We kind of see life from God's point of view. It's the skill of living our life from God's point of view. And so the wisdom James is talking about is living our lives in alignment with God's word, God's will, God's purposes, and God's glory. It's wisdom, right? It's the ability to apply God's truth to our everyday life. It's living our lives in alignment with God's word, God's will, God's purposes, and God's glory. It's all about God. That's why Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So if you want to be a wise person, then you need to know God and you need to know God's word because wisdom comes from God. A better way to say it is, is wisdom comes in knowing God. And so wisdom, James is not talking about college degrees here. He's talking about practical godliness. He's saying, show me your wisdom. He's not talking about education. He's talking about wisdom. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing the knowledge of things. The world has a great deal of knowledge in it. We can benefit from it. I don't know about you. I want my doctor to be very smart. (laughs) I want the people that make the airplanes that I'm going to step into very, very knowledgeable. Okay, but listen, James is not writing here about book smarts and PhDs and brilliant Harvard professors and Jeopardy champions. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a truth, a, a mind that aligns itself with God's word, a living that aligns itself with godliness. As I heard it said this week, I love this, real wisdom has feet. Real wisdom has action. Real wisdom goes places. And so James is like, show me, show me your wisdom. James wants us to be wise all through the letter. If you've read through James, you know, like he helps us with this. You remember what he said back in uh, James 1, verse 22? He said, be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. See it? Show me. Be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. If you only hear and you don't do, he's like, you deceive yourselves. So wisdom has actions. James says, show me. And wisdom has an attitude. Look at verse 13 again. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of of wisdom. Some of your translations might say humility or gentleness. And meekness here is, is not weakness. Right? Wise people are gentle, they're humble, they're meek. And so meekness is not weakness. Meekness in biblical terms, think of a very powerful horse in your mind. Meekness in biblical terms is like that powerful horse brought under control. The horse has not lost his natural strength but he chooses to carry that strength with gentleness and with humility. That's biblical wisdom, and that was Jesus. And so wise people are meek, James is saying. Uh, Real wisdom is I'm living my life in the power of God, and I'm living my life in alignment with the truth of God, and I'm living my life in the meekness of God, living like Christ, and I'm living my life for the glory of God. James says, are you wise? Who's wise and understanding among you? Don't raise your hand. Show me, he says. Show me your wisdom. Let's see it in your action. Let's see it in your attitude. Now, verses 14 and 15. Verse 14, but, everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Uh, This took a turn. (laughs) 
wow, uh, this is a bad lift here. In fact, I'm going to have you write down these four things. Write down a bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, and denying the truth or being false to the truth. That's what he says here, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, and denying the truth. This is what the world is all about. These are the characteristics that flow from false wisdom. First, he says bitter jealousy. Some translations may use the word envy. The the whole idea of jealousy or envy is all about me, right? Jealousy is what? It's mine. You can't have it. And, And envy is like, it's yours. I really want it. It's all about me. It's this bitter jealousy. Next, he says selfish ambition. And this is uh, self-centeredness. All about me and mine, my agenda, no matter what the cost. Kind of measuring everything with how it affects me. How can I assert self? How can I elevate myself? It's this selfish ambition. It's the thinking of the world. It's, I wrote down, my ways and my time and my plans and my name and lights and my promotion and my praise and my possessions and my money. Not thinking about others, I'm consumed with me. I'm asking, what can I get out of this? It's the world's slogan of look out for number one. With that type of selfish ambition is pride, there's arrogance. It's kind of a boasting and a bragging about self. And we see this earthly wisdom everywhere we go. We see it on TV. We see it in movies. We see it in newspapers and magazines at the checkout line at the grocery store. Have you seen some of these magazines? Earthly wisdom. The way of thinking is all over. It's in song lyrics. If you go to Spotify, look at the top 10 today. Look through some of the lyrics of the top 10 songs on Spotify. You're going to see it. You're going to spot it all over. It's in, on billboards when we drive. It's in, in textbooks in our colleges and schools. We're overwhelmed with the foolishness of the world. It's what the world is pushing. And so James is saying this. It's really a great point. He's like, if your life is marked with jealousy and selfishness and pride, if life really is all about you, he's like, don't run around boasting that you have the wisdom of God. He's like, you don't. You're missing it. He's like, you're actually living a lie. You're being false to the truth. You stand opposed to God. And so this passage really, for myself and for all of us, really, it's an opportunity to examine our heart. Am I really motivated by humility, a love for God, a love for others, and unselfishness? Or am I motivated by pride and selfishness and jealousy and my agenda? Is it all about me? James is saying, like, if if you look at your life and it looks like verse 14, go back to verse 13 and make the change. Get your heart right before God because you don't have the wisdom that comes from God. In fact, he flows right into verse 15 where he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Everybody say not. Not. This is not it. He's like, it's not it. Everything I said in verse 14, that's not from God. James is really clear. This is not the wisdom of God. It's not from above. It's from below. And so he's like, this false wisdom has its source in three things. We see it here in verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above or from God, but this is earthly, unspiritual, 
demonic. So it's earthly. Its origins are founded in this world, not from heaven, right? It's all centered on me and this world, this place, this time. And then he says it's unspiritual. It's, it's natural. It's opposite of spiritual. It's, it originates in natural man who does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.14. Finally, it gets a lot worse. It's demonic, he says. It's of the devil. It's rooted in the evil one. The wisdom of the world all around us is being generated and pushed by the forces of darkness. James is like, it's evil. No wonder he says in verse 16 then, but the, uh, where, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. See, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic, and so where that selfishness and that jealousy and all that I, I labeled, where all that exists, what's the result going to be? He gives the results of this. It's going to be disorder in every vile or worthless or evil practice. He's like, where you have this, you have disorder, you have confusion, you have chaos, you have evil, you have worthlessness. Selfishness and jealousy will promote these things when, when thinking and life go unchecked when they run contrary to God's word, these are the results that we should expect, he's saying. Disorder, every kind of worthless thing, every kind of evil. Now, the Bible is so clear. It's so helpful. Don't you love the scriptures? Man, I love the Bible. What a gift that God has given to us. So practical for life, so helpful for living. This passage is so clear. We just see what he's saying. As I studied it, it was like, wow, this is just coming alive. It makes so much sense. He's like, we see all this false wisdom in this world sourced by Satan, and it's stirring people's selfishness and jealousy, and, the, and it's resulting in this disorder and this confusion and this evil all around them. It's so clear. We see it. Earthly wisdom is so destructive. It's not to be toyed with. We've got to be so careful. It's why Philippians 4.8 says, think on things that are true. Think on these things that are true. So down with earthly wisdom, up with God's wisdom. I mean, this will impact your soul. If we let this creep in and settle in and believe it, it will impact our soul. In fact, earthly wisdom will. Go ahead and write these four things down. Earthly wisdom, just kind of coming out of the text here, it will stir up selfishness. We've got to be careful what we look at and what we read. Earthly wisdom is going to stir up selfishness. The second thing is it'll stir up jealousy or envy. It stirs it up. Third thing is it will grieve God. It stirs up selfishness. It stirs up uh, jealousy. It will grieve God. Fourth thing, it's going to destroy relationships. Stirs it up. Selfishness and jealousy grieves God and destroys relationships around me. I heard a story recently about a pastor from Scotland, and he was sharing with his students, he was sharing some of his life lessons and some mistakes that he made. And so he shared about a night that he got in like a really heated argument with his wife. And it was bad enough, he wasn't getting his way or something, and he got upset, so he decided to storm out. So the thing is, that night he was saying was it was just pouring outside. I mean, it's just, it just so much rain. You could barely see in front of your face. So he grabbed his coat on the way out, and he goes and he slams the door behind him, but his coat gets caught in the door. 
And so he's got a decision to make. He can either just keep walking and just be drenched, or he can ring the doorbell. Now, the only problem with ringing the doorbell was his wife was the only one that was home, who's the one that he's walking out on. And so he thinks about it, and he decides to ring the doorbell. So he rings the doorbell. His wife answers the door, and she's just, she's just doubled over laughing. And she's laughing at him and looking at him. He's getting wet, and she's just smiling at him, really in humility, as if to say, can you believe that happened? It's okay. We can work it out. I love you. Don't go. He says to his students that like a fool that night, I grabbed my coat, slammed the door, and I walked out again. And looking back on our choices, church, don't you wish wisdom and humility showed up 30 minutes earlier sometimes? (laughs) I know I do. I know this pastor did for that evening. And if we're honest, we would agree. Because listen, we could see it. Selfish ambition really is at the root of all of our struggles in marriage. It's, it's the idea of what's best for me. That's at the heart of worldly wisdom. This elevation of self. It's a focus of self. And the world says, go ahead and elevate it. It's the right thing. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Go ahead and deny yourself. And pick up your cross and follow me. Look, in a home marked with selfish ambition, in a church marked with selfish ambition, that selfishness can be a recipe for division and disorder and divorce and all kinds of things. So let me ask you, as I asked myself this week, do you, do you see any evidences of worldly wisdom in you? See any evidences of that? And then take it a step further. Do you see any of the results of that false wisdom in your life, in your relationships, in your family? Do you see it working itself out? Look, the awesome thing about the God of all forgiveness and the God who gives a greater grace, which James is going to say in James 4, 6, and I love that statement, is that we can always turn from this false wisdom and turn to the God who loves us, who has all the wisdom. Right? James 1, 5. Pastor Steve preached James 1, right, where it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, what? let him ask God, who gives generously to all. That's us. Let him ask God who gives generously to all. If you see earthly wisdom in your life right now, turn from that and turn to God. Listen, God's the most reconcilable person you'll ever have a relationship with. His arms are open. Turn to God. Draw near to me, he says. I'll draw near to you, James 4. So turn from false wisdom. We have to be so careful. And turn to God. Turn to the wisdom of God, which James is now going to outline in verse 17, which moves us to our next point. All right, so verse 17, point number two. Reap a harvest of righteousness sown in peace. Reap a harvest of righteousness sown in peace. Look at verse 17. But, everybody say, here it is. <laughs> All right, here we go. But, so the contrast here, it's going to now give us the characteristics of wisdom from above. Another way to say it is the wisdom from heaven or the wisdom that is from God himself. So he says, but the wisdom from above or from God is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, 
Isn't that a great list? What a list there in verse 17. Remember, wisdom is not found in the library. It's found in my life, right? Wisdom is applying God's truth to my everyday life. Remember, wisdom is living our lives in alignment with God's word, God's will, God's purposes, God's glory. And so here he gives a list of what real wisdom looks like, what the real wisdom of God looks like in our lives. And the first thing he says is this word pure. Makes sense, right? God is pure. God is holy. God is perfect. There is no other. And so, of course, God in his wisdom is utterly pure. It's utterly perfect. It's without blemish. You ever go to the fridge and fill up a glass of water and you walk away and it kind of hits the sun and you're like, what is floating in my water? What is this? It's, what's in this glass? You know, the, the wisdom of God, though, is uncontaminated. There is no residue. It's totally pure. It leads to a pure life. I heard it said this week that the wisdom of God does not walk hand in hand with jealousy and selfish ambition. It is pure completely, and it leads to purity coming from a pure God. The wisdom of God is pure. The next word he says here is peaceable. This you could write down as peace-loving or peace-promoting. And it brings people together. It, it, it seeks unity. It, it seeks healthy relationships. And look, it's not promoting peace by compromising with sin. Right? We already said that the, the, the wisdom of God is first pure. So it's not that, but it does strive to live as, as peaceable as is possible under God. Peaceable. This really is key for relationships. You know, I do quite a bit of biblical counseling, and when a couple comes in uh, for biblical counseling, when a marriage couple comes in, couples who find the most victory are couples that have this characteristic of this wisdom from God. They're peaceable, right? Because they come in, they're like, we, we know we need some help, and that's a great thing. It's a humble thing to get help, and they're like, we know we need some help, and we're willing to, to commit to this. We're going to commit to each other, and we're going to commit and put the Lord first, we're going to sit under the authority of God's word and God's wisdom. And each of us are going to, we're going to draw a circle around ourselves. And everything in that circle is what we're going to work on. Right? So we're going to, we're going to work on, another way to say it is we're going to work on me and my own growth. I'm not going to point fingers at my spouse. Man, I tell you what, when couples are peaceable, that's going great places. This is a characteristic of God's wisdom. James says if you're wise... Show me. Show me a pure life. Show me that you're peaceable. The next word he says is gentle. And this you could write down as just being considerate of others. It's understanding. It's loving. It's humble. The posture here that James is talking about with gentle is not a back turned, right? It's arms open. And gentle describes our Lord and Savior in Matthew 11. It says that he's what? He's gentle and lowly. So you're, you're wise. James says, show me. Pure life, peaceable, gentle. The next thing he says is open to reason. You see it there. And this you could write down would be compliant or yielding. And again, not to sin, but compliant and yielding. A good way to say it is like willing to hear all sides. Not insisting on my own way. It's not my way or the highway. It's like, I, I'm, I'm willing to bend to what's good and best. 
I'm open to reason. Are you wise? James says that there's pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason. The next thing he says is full of mercy and good fruits. And this really is to be like God. This is to live out God's character and God's wisdom. God is a merciful God. He's the Father of all mercy. So mercy is like not getting what I deserve. And so what? I'm merciful to others. I'm filled with compassion, not anger, and I'm quick to forgive, not hold a grudge. I'm, I'm filled with this mercy. And then he says this good fruits. And this has the idea of, of grace. It's blessings. It's graciousness shown to others. It's, it's getting what I don't deserve, so I show wisdom by blessing other people, showering grace upon them. I'm giving even in the face of difficulty. Don't you love being around people like this? Merciful, gracious, open to reason, gentle, living a pure life. James says these are the qualities of God's wisdom. These are the actions of God's wisdom. This is a life lived wisely. How do we get this wisdom? Again, it's not from being in the library. Listen, it's from being with God. That's how we get it, from abiding in Christ and knowing him. Wisdom comes in knowing God. He moves on to more impartial. You can write unwavering. It's impartial. It's unwavering. It's undivided in, this, in my conviction and in my commitment. There's a clarity of God's word. There's a wholehearted commitment to the truth of God. And so I'm impartial and then sincere. And this, this one kind of goes with impartial. It has the idea of not being hypocritical, not pretending. Here's a way we could say it. God's wisdom is not two-faced. Right? It acts the same on Sunday as it does on Friday night. It's the same, it's, it's sincere, it's, it's the same at impact group as it is on vacation. It, it's impartial, it's sincere, it's unwavering, it's not pretending. James says, if you claim to have wisdom, verse 17, boom, here it is. He's like, not like that, but like verse 17. This is the wisdom of God, show me. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now verse 18, before I read it, do you remember the results of earthly wisdom, right? Demonic wisdom. Remember it was disorder and every worthless or every evil practice. Well now verse 18 is kind of the results of God's wisdom. And so he goes on to say, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This has a sowing and a reaping principle. And so it's kind of like righteous living by a peace-promoting person produces an environment of peace. It's this righteous living by this peace-promoting person. A wise person who lives a holy life produces peaceable relationships around them. In other words, real godly wisdom lived out in our life, James says, show me, that is both pleasing to God and good for other people. I mean, you think about that list and you think about this type of wisdom now in your home, in your relationships, in the church family. This type of wisdom, what it produces unity and love and harmony and joy and peace, even if you don't agree on every detail, it's okay. 
right? You're, you're setting self aside. You're seeking God's wisdom with one another. You're together. You're making much of God. And so this wisdom of God is huge. It makes a huge impact. It makes a huge difference in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our family, in our church. It's a big deal. Everybody say, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so listen, the wisdom of God. If I had, think about it this way, if I had a box over here, and in this box was all of your dreams, all of your wants, all your desires, everything you can think of, you think of it right now, put it in the box. And if I had a box over here, and this was God's wisdom, right? so box number one, I feel like I'm on, let's make a deal. Box number one, all your dreams, all your desires. Box two, all of God's wisdom. Which would you choose? Because I'll tell you what God's word says. The Bible says there's really no comparison between the two. God's wisdom is the most valuable gift. Do you believe that? Proverbs 3, 13 and 15 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her, with wisdom. So how can I tell if I'm living a life of wisdom? Remember James, show me. How do I know if I have the wisdom of God? Well, here's something you can do. Put your name in on verse 17. Right? I'll show you. I'll put my name. You'd put your name in, but it would be this. Mark is pure. Mark is peaceable. Mark is gentle. Go ahead and put your name in. Mark is open to reason. Mark is full of mercy and good fruits. Mark is impartial. Mark is sincere. How'd you do? If you're like me, you're far from perfect. You have much room to grow. But here's the thing that I was thinking about this week that just brought me to a place of worship. This is Jesus. It's verse 17. It's Jesus. This is our God. This is who he is. In fact, Colossians 2.3 says it like this. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's no one like our God. This is Jesus Christ. And so we need God. And we need God's word. And when we, when we prioritize Jesus and the truth of his word, we become more like him. And then in turn, we begin to grow in this wisdom that is from above. The wisdom of God. And so here's how I want to finish the message here today. I want to give you seven ways to grow in God's wisdom. Let's close with that really practically. Seven ways to grow in God's wisdom. And I'll have you write these down. Number one is this. Just recognize you need it. Seven ways to grow in God's wisdom. Recognize you need it. We are bombarded, like I said, with the foolishness of the world, with the world's wisdom all around. It's always trying to sell us something. Get into our mind and sink into our hearts. We need to recognize we need God's wisdom. We are, we are sheep in need of an all-wise shepherd. So one, recognize you need it. Here's the second one. Understand its value. The high value of God's wisdom is greater than anything that we could desire. Remember Solomon, who could ask for anything, and he asked for the wisdom of God. That's, 
That's it. Understanding its value. Understanding that the wisdom of God, there's nothing that could compare with her. Three, seven ways to grow in God's wisdom comes out of James 1. Ask God for it. Pray, pray, pray. Ask God for it. God is an all-wise and perfect Father who delights to give us wisdom as His children. He says, if you need wisdom, just go ahead and ask. I'll give it to you. Without reproach, just come to me. I'll give it to all who come in faith. So, seven ways to grow in God's wisdom. Recognize you need it. Understand its value. Ask God for it. Here's the fourth. Study the Bible daily. We want to study God's word daily. We want to daily seek the wisdom of God in the Bible. Studying it. Thinking about it. Meditating on it. And living it out. God's wisdom will always be in alignment with God's character and God's word. So we study the word daily. In fact, I I love what Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6 says. It says, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of. He says, Keep them and do them. That will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And what a great thing to be said about us. Surely this person is a wise and understanding person. Study the Bible daily. Number five, be friends with wise people. Be friends with wise people. You know, people that we hang out with really have a huge impact in our lives. I heard someone say a long time ago, it always stuck with me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. People have a huge influence in our lives. And so stay close and stay connected with God-loving people. In fact, the Proverbs, right, the wisdom statements, Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And so be friends with wise people. Here's number six. Be willing to accept correction. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Be willing to accept correction. Be humble enough to know that other people might know more than you. Maintain a teachable spirit. Allow other people to speak into your life. It's a huge deal. It's a huge way to grow. Look, a person's response to correction reveals a lot about them. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a a wise man listens to advice. So it's really a big deal. Recognize you need God's wisdom. Understand its value. Ask God for it. Study the Bible daily. Be friends with wise people. Be willing to accept correction. Number seven, the last one, stay away from evil. Stay away from evil. We don't gain wisdom by experimenting with the world and joining in with sin and exploring all the twisted lies and philosophies of Satan. Stay away from evil. Romans 16, 19 says, But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And so very practically now, seven ways to grow in God's wisdom. Recognize you need it. Understand its value. Ask God for it. Study the Bible daily. 
Be friends with wise people. Be willing to accept correction. Stay away from evil. God's wisdom, right? Here's what James is talking about. Real wisdom and false wisdom. Heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And so James says, show me. Let's pray. 